0: Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is the place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Richard Hallett, Fund Manager of the Marlborough Multicap Growth Fund. Richard is also Head of the UK and European Equities Investment Team for the Marlborough Funds. In addition, he is Deputy Manager of the Marlborough Technology Fund. Richard qualified as a Chartered Accountant at Ernst & Young in 1994, and subsequently joined Singer and Friedlander in 1995 as a UK equity fund manager. Richard joined the investment team running the Marlborough Funds in 2005, and has been managing the Marlborough Multi-Cap Growth Fund since then. So, kicking off the multi-cap growth fund, um, could you talk us through the investment style and the objectives of the fund, please? Yes, um, absolutely. Um, so, yes, for the Marlborough Multi Cap Growth Fund,
1: I mean it's predominantly a UK fund, um, but one of the um, uh, focuses of the fund and the ability, of, uh, one of the things about the fund is it has the a multi-cap approach, which really does give it freedom to invest in. In all sorts of stocks of all sizes, and we're really what we have in the u k is a very diverse market which it, which really does give us well over two thousand stocks to choose between um, but if you know a bit about the fund, um, we only hold between thirty five and perhaps fifty five stocks at any one time so You know, what that means is that what you can see is we have a pretty demanding criteria when it comes to selecting the sort of stocks we want to invest in. Um, And and what we're really looking for in this fund is trying to focus on stocks which can grow regardless of the economic backdrop. Um, And really, you know, we're looking for stocks which are leaders in their field. And this doesn't necessarily mean that they're the largest. But what it does, what we're particularly looking for, is, is companies with what we think are have a sustainable competitive advantage, and this can really allow them to um, dem- demonstrably take market share from their competitors over time. Um, and this competitive advantage may be a range of different things. It may be um, an innovative new product which is as hard to replicate. Um, a really good management team, um, strong research, or, or a brand which uh, consumers have grown to love over time. Um, but more likely than not, what we see is uh, that the kind of companies we like have a combination of several of these characteristics. So what we're looking for is you know, really good quality growth companies. But there's something else that we're particularly keen on, and that is um, we're looking for the sector which they're operating within. And we're looking for sectors which are really benefiting from long-term growth trends. And, and by, what, by that, what I really mean is um, we're looking for a powerful shift in global behavior that can work to the benefit of, of all the companies operating within that, in that sector. So a good example of this may be e-commerce, which is um, a sector we've looked at for many years and looked at many companies in it. Um, and what we've really seen is, you know, over time, uh, a real, really powerful trend of um, consumers looking to buy more and more goods and services online, and this is really sort of driving the growth of e-commerce, um, and it's, uh, you know, taken market share away from the high street into the the players that are, are you know, are really leaders in the online space, um, and, it's, and it's a process that's really been accelerated by the pandemic. But you know it was also very strong before that, so you know it gives us confidence as we look f- look further ahead. And while there's always risks, of course, when you're when you're buying stocks, what we're really looking for, um, you know, when, and when the when way we think about stocks is that when you've got a quality company with a sustainable competitive advantage and operating in a sector which has also got a long-term growth trend, then that's when we really start to get interested. And when you've got these factors working together, you get a pretty powerful combination. So when you think, when you look at the fund, we hold um, 49 stocks at the moment, and they're a mixture of both large, medium, and small stocks, um, which we believe are all leaders in their field. And and we're convinced they should all have very strong long-term opportunities ahead of them. But what we're really trying to do when we're trying to put the portfolio together is really really try to focus in on what we think are the very best UK companies, irrespective of their, of their size. And they operate in a range of really diverse sectors, um, spanning things like digital payments to even a sort of a global leader in the veterinary pharmaceutical space. And also, when you look at the sort of companies we like, you know, they're they're really quite international in their approach. And so we're tapping into global economic growth, really. But we also hold uh, and we have the flexibility to hold a few overseas listed companies as well, which are really world leaders in their fields. But I'll come back to that a bit later, if I may. You asked about the fund objective. Well, you know, we're long term investors um, and there's no guarantee, of course, of what returns are going to look like in the longer term but we're trying to achieve capital growth over a period of 5 years uh, and above really and certainly we think investors should look towards that sort of time frame when they're thinking about investing in the fund and in terms of sort of outperformance i suppose the best proxy would be the FTSE All Share index which we'd be looking to outperform over a similar time
0: frame so i think you've you've briefly touched on this already but how how does the sector uh, and geographical allocation of the fund? Or you mentioned, for example, you're probably more skewed to the UK. Uh,
1: yes, I mean, uh, it's a good question. I mean, um, one of the major sectors that we have concentrations in is, is the technology space. And we've got over 20% of the fund in technology. And you may ask, well, why is that? Well, you know, when you look at technology, what we see is a, a, a large number of subtrends, which we see as long-term Structural growth trends in their own right, and examples of these are, you know, e-commerce, which I've mentioned before, um, digital payments, cybersecurity, um, uh, you know, data analytics, and even cloud computing services as well. So, what you know, whilst we look at each individual company on its own merits, you know, we do like. Um, uh, software businesses, uh, and, and the reason for that is that the good ones, at least, you know, do really demonstrate really high returns on capital employed, and that really uh, allows these sorts of companies to throw off plenty of cash, um, which means they can reinvest into further growth in their businesses. And the, and the flip side of this, um, you know, is that I suppose we. To tend to move not like quite so much a hardware businesses, digital IT hardware businesses. And this is because they tend to become more vulnerable when you have advancements in, um, in te- technological advancements. They tend to make them less competitive. Um, another sector we like is, is, is healthcare, which is over 10% of the fund. And why do we like that? Well, what we're seeing is a long term increase in the amount of spending on health. And it's actually forecast to be 6.4 trillion this year. Um, and this is rising because of rising um, ages of population, um, rising incomes around the world, particularly in emerging markets, but also due to technological improvements, we're seeing a rollout of more products and more treatments available. We tend to avoid be underweight in more cyclical sectors, whether it's house builders, industrial companies and commodity businesses and that's because they're more reliant on on economic growth and we really do prefer companies that can re- grow irrespective of the economic backdrop and i suppose in terms of um geographic allocation within the portfolio well at least 80 percent of the stocks you know are uk listed um, and we have the flexibility afforded within the fund to have up to 20 percent in overseas stocks but you know that's currently less than 10 percent. But it does give us the, the freedom to um, really back world leaders at the forefront of sectors, really benefiting from long-term structural growth trends. And examples here are Microsoft, Intuit, and PayPal, uh, a leader in digital payments. So in terms of where you know, the portfolio stocks actually earn their money, I mean, our process really does favor um, companies with a global reach. So whilst the vast majority are actually listed in the UK, Um, Exposure to the UK economy is actually quite limited. Now, our companies tend to be generating most of their earnings from a a spread of geographies around the world.
0: So so with that very tempting and compelling background in mind, um, could you perhaps talk us through one or two of your top holdings within the portfolio?
1: Yeah, of, of course. I mean, um, one of our largest holdings is a, is a company called JD Sports you may be familiar with. It's a FTSE 100 retailer of sports fashion. And it's really flourished um, you know, despite the gloom effect in the high street over the last year or so. And why is that? Well, it's got a very powerful brand, which consumers love, but it's also got a very well-invested e-commerce proposition, which has really sort of buoyed it during the lockdown. Um, but more interesting, I think, is the way it's developed into a global business and it's, it's accelerated its investments over the last year, acquiring two quite big chains in the US very recently. Um, another stock is Future uh, PLC, which is a uh, sort of di- another global business. It's a digital publisher. It's built its business buying print magazine titles that aren't growing and sort of really propelling them into the di- digital age. Um, and what it does is it creates strong online presences in, uh, for, for these digital magazines in areas like uh, photography, gaming, and music, and, and then creating uh, new revenue streams around those sorts of sectors. Uh, and looking ahead, it's actually looking to develop into more events businesses um, with these con- online concentrations that they've got. I mean, that's a, a very uh, a stock, a stock which we're quite comfortable with at the moment. Um, another one is Network International, which is a digital um, payments business, um, which has really got concentrations and great market shares in the Middle East and Africa. Um, and It enables customers to buy goods and services using cards and smartphones. It's had a difficult year because it's got quite uh, strong concentrations in um, tourism and leisure markets, which have been hit by the pandemic. But really, when we think about the growth of long-term growth, long-term growth in, in digital payments um, and the recovery in those sorts of hard-hit markets, we see it as um, a good recovery play on the ne- in the next few years. Okay, another one I'll just touch on is Decro which is a veterinary pharmaceutical business, really benefiting from global increasing in spend in, in animal health um, worldwide. Uh, and, and really, you know, when we think about these sorts of businesses, what it Clearly demonstrates to us is that you know a lot of UK listed businesses really are quite global in their outlook. That their markets really do not end at the White Cliffs of Dover, um, and really the way we see things are that when you've got world-beating products and services, um, these companies can really sell their products to customers all around the world.
0: And, and obviously, you mentioned uh, the the pandemic. There, I mean, we've we've obviously had a quite extraordinary year. Um, over the last year or so. How have you found that the fund's been coping uh, in that current difficult environment? And and indeed, did uh, 2020 give you the opportunity perhaps to add new names to the portfolio?
1: It's been an interesting period, of course. I mean, uh, but our our focus on more sort of quality businesses has served us well during the year's um, turbulence, particularly during the worst of the pandemic. But more recently, what we've noted is that um, investors are sort of scenting a recovery in the air, uh, which has led to a change in sentiment in the markets with many investors sort of rotating out of quality growth stocks, um, which have really benefited uh, through the pandemic in sectors like technology and, and sort of moved into some of the more cyclical sectors, which have been hard hit like banks and industrial companies and leisure stocks and commodity sectors um, that have really had tough times during the crisis. And the thinking is that these sorts of businesses will bounce back strongly as a global economy starts to recover. Uh, And I suppose what that has meant is that quite recently, over the last couple of months, is that these sorts of beaten up companies in difficult sectors have risen quite fast, whilst at the same time some of these quality stocks have um, have suffered to some degree in terms of just prices within the market. So you may ask, well, you know, what are we doing about this? Are we changing our approach, and, and the answer to that is no. I mean, we're we're sticking with our quality approach, uh, and that's because we think trying to um, forecast what's going to happen in markets and which sorts of stocks are going to benefit, you know, is really difficult to do on any sort of consistent and reliable basis. Um, you know, we we have a process which. Furs, quality businesses, which we believe can, can continue to grow, really irrespective of the economic backdrop. Now, these quality businesses do, of course, demand a higher valuation. and This is for obvious reasons. But you know, what we've seen more recently is that this sort of period of volatility, sell-off in the quality stocks, has really thrown up some interesting opportunities, uh, throwing up some good valuations. And what we've done about it is, you know, we've actually added to some of our holdings and and, and in particular a couple of the names we've already mentioned so far. We've added to our holdings in JD Sports and and indeed Future PLC. Um, And these are both companies which have invested through the downturn um, and have got good long term opportunities ahead of them, but should also benefit in the short term as the economy starts to recover.
0: So, and finally, Richard, bringing all of that together, and again, you've referred to most of this, uh, and I realize it's a difficult question, but what what is your outlook from here as we start to see some of these restrictions eased and uh, the possibility of a return to some kind of normality?
1: I mean, clearly, I mean, we're not out of the woods yet, and uh, sort of risks remain, um, you know, in terms of the the pandemic and how we come out of all this, but But we remain optimistic that the global economic uh, situation can continue to rebound and should gather strength as the vaccination programs roll out and really gain momentum around the world Um, and and as the effects of the pandemic begin to recede. Um, And in particular with the UK, with the Brexit deal now behind us, we see a particular interest in the UK market. And this is because they do offer a quite a significant valuation discount uh, uh, compared to international assets. Um, and what we're seeing is that international investors are scenting this, and uh, we're getting a pickup in merger and acquisition type um, activity um, with companies like uh, the power equipment supplier Greco and the debt management business Arrow Global falling into private equity hands. And more recently, we've seen Reneshaw, which is a a global leader in precision measurement technology and tools, has put itself up for sale and has increased, uh, has rumored to get quite a lot of international interest in its assets. So in terms of our positioning, though, you know, in in our portfolio, we're sticking with our strategy. We're backing quality companies that we believe should continue to benefit from long-term growth trends. and that these are the sorts of companies which we believe should be able to attract more customers and grow their businesses, whatever's happening in the wider economy. Um, and what we're seeing is, and as we've talked about, is that these economically sensitive companies like banks and commodities, you know, that have rallied quite strongly recently, you know, could be hit relatively hard if we run into sort of problems with the pandemic recovery later in this year, you know, I hesitate to say but, you know, if we have more COVID variants, for instance, um, so you know, there, there are real risks around that. And I suppose another area of risk and highlighted in the markets more recently is, um, you know, the, these, the effects of these huge stimulus packages and the rebounding of consumer demand, which could reawaken the risk of inflation. But the way we think about this is, and look at the companies we own, is that because of their strong competitive edge, you know, we think they do have good relative pricing power compared to their competitors. So, in the event of some mild inflationary environment, you know, we think they can offset that by um, rising prices to offset any input uh, cost um, uh, rises. I And last but not least, of course, and I think what is notable when you think about the last year is that the pandemic has really accelerated many of these long-term growth trends that were well invested within the fund. And what that's done is actually give the companies we invest in and the management teams behind them real um, confidence um, in their outlook. And they've invested ahead of the curve uh, and made acquisitions and really grown their franchise throughout the pandemic, which you know really does make us feel very positive when we look at the sort of road ahead
0: and on that bright note unfortunately that's all we've uh, got time for so many thanks again for your time richard and for those very valuable insights that was richard hallett fund manager of the marlborough multi-cap growth fund and thank you for listening please feel free to like and subscribe and of course you can find much more by the way of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.